This is Scott Hunter from Smash Wrestling, and you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast. You're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast with your host, Mark Madison. This episode's guest is Scott Hunter. Visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer. And now, here's your host, Mark Madison. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. And we are joined by a very special guest, um, Mr. Scott Hunter. Scott, uh, welcome. Thank you again for your time and your energy. Oh, thanks for having me on. So, uh, Scott, maybe you can give those that aren't as familiar with you a little bit of background about you, um, your role in Smash, what is Smash. Uh, We're hoping that uh, you can shed light on all of that and in between. Yeah, so well, Smash Wrestling has been around since uh, 2012. It's an Ontario independent promotion based. Uh, well, it started out being based out of Toronto, and now I don't, I don't really know if we have a, a home necessarily. We're kind of all over the place touring around, but uh, primarily Toronto and London. And uh, I do the play-by-play commentary for it, yeah, but I wear, uh, over the years, I've uh, worn many hats within the promotion, and now I'm kind of... Uh, on air, I'm the play-by-play commentator, and then behind the scenes, I'm also uh, part of the management crew and uh, have a hand in putting the shows together. So now, how did that role evolve from uh, play-by-play to kind of a jack-of-all-traits, um, and your role within the promotion how to kind of grow? Well, to be honest with you, it grew uh, pretty organically. Uh, I mean, when I first came in, I didn't know anything about independent wrestling. And uh, about six months before I started working in independent wrestling, I didn't even know it existed. Uh, I was a big fan of watching wrestling on television as a kid growing up and everything. But uh, it never really occurred to me as to where these guys get started. And so when I kind of fell into the role, I, uh, I was very naive to the business. I didn't really know the business. Uh, and I just... Um, was showing up to shows i called the show and then i get out of there and then it was through over a course of a few shows uh, some people started to wise me up that uh, you know maybe i should be coming a little bit earlier helping with the setup of the shows and things like that so as i started doing that sort of paying my dues that way i started to look at uh, at the time the crew was very small when we first started in and i started looking at uh, some holes that i thought i could fill i just started kind of training myself on the fly and i, I do have a of a business background in terms of my, uh, my outside the world of wrestling so I kind of applied that to what we were doing and then uh, over time I just kind of earned myself a seat at the table with the management crew and, uh, and evolved from there. Now you said not until about six months before you started were you not even aware of what uh, aware of really independent wrestling what was that spark what or what was that moment that situation where is it that you even became aware of it what was that like and who was it from, maybe? So I had, I had a buddy of mine uh, that uh, was really into the independent scene. He was watching a lot of footage on, on YouTube and everything. That kind of Every now and then he'd send me little little snippets. And uh, I guess the, at this time, yeah, we're, we're going back to about, yeah, early, early 2012. So the internet uh, wasn't, or social media wasn't as popular as it is today at the time. But, uh, yeah, he'd send me little things over Facebook and... Uh, then, and a lot of the footage he sent me was from uh, Chikara, and then we found out that Chikara had a show in Vaughn, so him and I went to go see it. I just, uh, yeah, I fell, I fell in love with uh, what was going on there, and uh, 
then I started to look at other promotions that were regularly around the area. And then I heard this promotion called Smash Wrestling was popping up close to me. So I actually went to the first couple of shows as a fan. And uh, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the uh, the atmosphere of it. And uh, really, it's, it's a lot more intimate than it is going to, say, a WWE event live. Because uh, you're right up close to the ring and, and you're right up near the action. So I uh, I sent out an email, uh, asked, uh, you know, is there... Is there anything that uh, I can do to help out with the promotion, be it selling tickets or anything else? And there was uh, Curtis Yanta, who was working with uh, Smash Wrestling at that time, still with us today. Uh, he does a lot of our uh, photographs for uh, Instagram. Uh, he kind of got me an introduction, and uh, I got to uh, call a dark match as uh, as like a tryout. And then uh, once I called a dark match, we uh, they asked if I wanted to call that whole show. That was the first ever Canusa Classic, and then... Away we went, but uh, yeah, I really kind of—I wasn't really expecting much out of it. When I showed up to the show, I didn't even—it wasn't even 100% that I was going to get the tryouts. So uh, I really kind of fell into the gig. Uh, how did you feel that that opportunity? I mean, it came about. You put yourself out there, and yeah, you, there was no guarantees. But even in though you're doing so, who was it that said, you know, there's something special about Scott. We we need to keep him here. He's He's got this energy. Um, who would you say would be some of your biggest supporters early on getting you forward with, with Smash and, and independent wrestling in general? Uh, early on, I'd have to say that uh, uh, Sebastian Suave is the guy that gave me the, uh, the shot in general. I think it was, uh, I, I think originally it was, uh, I mean, he very blindly, I didn't even like sending an audition tape or anything, I was very blindly put into the role of a tryout. And uh, I did the tryout. I was with Dustin Perry, who now does a ring announcing at the time. It was the two of us that did the um, did the first show and called that dark match. And I remember Sebastian walked by and tapped us on the shoulder and said, uh, how was he? And Dustin said, oh, he's perfect. Uh, so that's when they asked me to call that whole show. But I think he, he was definitely an early supporter of mine. I'd say both Dustin and uh, and Sebastian, both uh, in terms of, uh, I was originally hired blindly, but then as a... Uh, as time went on and uh, they started to really get into um, what we were doing, the show started to pick up more and more. And they, they realized that I kind of had a, uh, a bit of a, a unique uh, perspective on the commentary side of things on an independent level. Because I think if you go to a lot of independent wrestling, uh, you listen to a lot of independent commentary. A lot of times commentators are, they're either fans. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess everyone's a fan, but there is a lot of times they're trying to pop the boys in the back or they're trying to pop each other on commentary. And they're not really, doing a service to what's happening in the ring when realistically, at least in my opinion, the role of commentary should be to put over the product and to put over the, um, the performers and, and kind of grow everyone and kind of rise the tides a little bit. So I take the role itself very seriously. And I, and I think that uh, that's what's kind of helped me stand out from, uh, from other people. Is there anyone that you could say you tried to patent yourself after uh, listening to because you said independent wrestling it is very different from what we tend to hear major promotions um it's not the same thing but what did you feel um or whom did you say you kind of took elements from whether it be on the independent level or those that you kind of listened to on, on major promotions that you could say but maybe put your own spin on it because you do take it seriously so it's kind of a twofold question yeah, like I, I know I was, I mean, obviously, I think anybody that was, uh, that's around my age in the early 30s that grew up watching Jim Ross on television is going to say Jim Ross is a big influence on them. He's part of pop culture. So I think I, I, I take a lot of, 
um, what he brought to the table and a lot of his influence. Uh, I was a big fan of Joey Styles back in the day and the, his ability to call shows by himself. And, and then I take from the outside of wrestling world as well. I was I've always been a really big fan. I I don't really get a chance to sit down and watch a lot of Toronto Blue Jay games, but I am a pretty good baseball fan. Um, so, but I listen to games on the radio, and Jerry Howard, mm-hmm. uh, that was calling the Blue Jay games on on the radio, so I just I, I loved his ability to kind of paint a picture uh, in your mind when you when you really can't see the action going on, but he just had a way of of describing things. So I think I, I kind of dwell upon a, a lot of uh, people in the sports in the sports commentary world, and, and kind of as you said, put my own spin on it. Um, for those that maybe aren't familiar, uh, I guess, who could we maybe make the akin to, because we are based here out of Toronto, in comparing Jerry Howarth to, um, uh, on the, in the U.S. level of sports, um, not necessarily, uh, I'm thinking someone out of Los Angeles right now, as my mind goes blank. But, no, I can't even think of uh, any other names at the moment. No, yeah. but he's, he, he is very, he's, um, man. I can see faces, and I can't think of names in my head right now. But there's, yeah, there's a, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, well, I guess even football commentators yeah. and baseball commentators. They just have a way of, of describing the action um, in a way that the average, the average fan, the average eye isn't able to able to do. Yeah, it's interesting for those that come to an independent wrestling show. They won't hear the action unless it's played back or they're watching it on on-demand service or something like that. So then you get a chance to get a different feel. So when you're there, we don't get a chance to embrace it as what you're feeling or what's going through you and your, um, now would you say you're more color or play by play? So I, I've been doing, when I first started doing it, I was, I was dead in color for the first about six months. And then, uh, we we weren't thrilled with the sound that was coming out, and then mm. we decided to uh, to flip it a little bit because I think my my background coming into Smash Wrestling uh, was broadcasting, uh, so I knew things from in terms of ways to to pitch from one thing to the next, ways to segue, um, ways to introduce characters, ways to introduce a story. Uh, but my strong suit again, because I was so new to independent wrestling, wasn't the movesets of the performers in the ring and it wasn't uh, knowing the names of everybody or anything like that and, and that was more of what the color rule really is so it didn't really suit what I was doing so we decided to make a flip and then uh, yeah I've been doing play by play now for almost eight years after getting started now you've been around as long as there ever been interested in trying to flip back or get a feel for the other side of it again or I have I have on occasion I've called shows for for a few other promotions where I've kind of uh, taken that back seat and, and provided more of a, of an analysis as opposed to the commentary and uh, I got I have a lot of fun doing that now because I think it's my perspective on the industry eight years later is I, I know everybody in the industry now and I know all of their move sets and, uh, and a lot of them I'm friends with um, so so I actually it's it's a lot. It comes a lot more naturally to me now, the, the color side of things. But uh, I still think that my uh, my strengths uh, play to the to the play by play side. So, getting back a little bit to Smash and its growth and evolution um, to where we are today, it's unfortunate we're kind of stuck in a in a bubble right now. But um, if we were to, were to go back at least three months, uh, up and at least until March, where would you say the growth in Smash has been? What do you see the the keys on the business side of things, um, on the entertainment side of things, uh, and, and how its expansion has been so important to 
professional wrestling in Ontario and Canadian wrestling as a whole, and it is a promotion. It's kind of a layered question there. Yeah, I, I think the, the growth in terms of the entirety of the promotion, is, it's coming in waves. And uh, when, we, when we first broke in, our goal was to create as much buzz as possible in a short period of time because we were brand new on the scene. And, and then the way you do that is you, you bring in the, the higher caliber names. And we, so we really built our, our foundation off the backs of names like Johnny Gargano and Chris Hero. We brought in AJ Styles. Um, and I think that through that, we were able to create a reputation for ourselves. Uh, and over time, the other promotions around us as well have also grown, and, and they've also improved immensely. And I think through that, it's we, we are constantly, it's a constantly evolving business that we're in. So then our, our next wave kind of came in the form of uh, our angles and our storylines. That's when we started to uh, create this storyline with a, a faction we called Fourth Gun that consisted of uh, Johnny Gargano and Drew Gulak, Biff Busick, and, and Tarek. And we had a year-long build to this storyline of this fourth gun group versus Smash Wrestling. And then maybe two, three months before the, the, the conclusion of the story, NXT came calling and, and swooped up three of the four members of fourth gun. Mm. Um, and from there it was, okay, let's hit that reset button and Tyson Dukes, who's worked with us for since the beginning as well, started his own wrestling school. And through his wrestling school, that kind of gave us our our next wave of, of, of new talent coming out of London, Ontario. And we've dwelled from uh, Wrestlers Anonymous out of Buffalo as well. And that's brought us in the likes of Kevin Bennett, who's the current champion right now, and Puff and Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood. So I, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a constant um, evolving promotion. But I think in terms of growth, Outside of the ring and outside the entertainment side of things, on the business side of things, uh, the biggest growth has come. We started out inside of a place called the E-Zone in, in Toronto, which is uh, just a small little arcade. And mm-hmm. it was so small, like my commentary table, it was literally an air hockey table uh, <laughs> that, that we were sitting at. And uh, we were able just to go out there and find those larger venues because the, the fan base demanded it. We tried to crown, I think we crowned about seven, 800 people into that small venue when AJ Styles came to town. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, we outgrew where we were. Um, and it was able to find, we found the Franklin Horner Community Center, which is uh, just a gymnasium. We, we were there for a few years, and then we ended up getting the, uh, the TV deal with the Fight Network, and through there we were able to expand more, uh, started expanding beyond Toronto. We ended up getting venues, places like the London Music Hall and London, Ontario, uh, famous concert theater in Toronto. Uh, we expanded to places like uh, Kitchener, uh, which is where I'm from. We've been able to get out and do shows in Montreal, and and now out east. And we're so we're. I, I think the growth of the company just comes from expansion and, and being able to not settle for where we're at and, and constantly be thinking of the bigger picture and, and and what's next. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five. 99 per month. 
Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. One of the most interesting things, I think, as a fan, um, I can easily say that I'm a fan of Smash Wrestling because I enjoy the product and, and, and watching and being part of the environment and seeing how everyone's involved with it. You've talked about bringing in um, different talent that is no- notable, but there's also been buying, um, relationships built with other promotions. Uh, maybe you can speak to that and how some of those relationships have come about in Smash working with some pretty notable companies. Yeah, I think that that it has played a massive role into um, getting our name out there on a larger scale, and, and it just came through. I, I mean, Sebastian, he he deserves all the credit for for putting all those uh, shows together. In terms of uh, those joint shows with other promotions, we've been able to do. I mean, very early on, we were doing joint shows with Chikara, with CZW, and with Progress out of the UK. And uh, I think off the back of that, we started to build a, a rapport with uh, with other promoters who started to you know kind of pass us on to the contacts that they had and then uh, really the the large scale came when we were able to first we did a show a joint show with impact wrestling uh in london last year and that kind of we piggybacked off that to uh SummerSlam week last year when SummerSlam came to toronto uh and we just reached out and and because uh, well, we have dreams of expanding our brand beyond Canada. So the first way to do that is create those relationships. So we bring in those promotions from outside of Canada to us that we have. So we brought in progress. We brought in WXW out of Germany, uh, OWE out of China. And we were able to just create this entire week of, of professional wrestling. And realistically, it's a, it's a SummerSlam uh, week, but it was put on really by kind of us as the central hub. And to be a part of that was pretty... Uh, taxing but rewarding i'm sure at the same time yes yeah it was uh that was that was i think my first real taste of what a lot of these guys go through in terms of a schedule Mm -hmm. because we were doing two days two shows a day for for five straight days so by the end of it my voice is shot uh i you know you're up for 20 hours a day uh and it just it was taxing and it it was really hard it's it's unfortunate because i found towards the end of the week, I was having a hard time enjoying it in the moment because you're just so tired. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, when you go back and you look back and you, you you look at what was accomplished in that week, and it's uh, it's it's hard not to say that I loved every second of it. It was just you know, it's just in the moment you feel a little tired, but it's yeah, it's, it's very rewarding looking back and and seeing what we what we were able to accomplish and how much we were able to do in such a short period of time. Wonderful about the the names that have come through and the relationships that have be, been built. Um, have has those relationships, even if they've gone on to other things, ha, have you been able to maintain them? Have has there still been those connections? Um, because for those who didn't see, uh, Sebastian himself was part of SummerSlam weekend, um, and there were some really notable Smash uh, talent that were a part of it as well. Um, have those been built still or maintained? Well, I think at any time, the relationships are always maintained. And we have um, just a great network of performers that have worked for us in the past, used to be regulars for ours, that have now gone on to greener pastures. So you have those um, talents that are in these other promotions now that are helping spread our name. And it's also really cool to see people that you're, you know, you kind of worked alongside that are now doing this on a much larger scale and you see them on on NXT, on AEW, in a ring of honor. And I, and I think that it's, uh, 
yeah, you build relationships from there. But I think in, in terms of the the opportunity that uh, Sebastian and uh, Carter Mason were able to get, uh, being on Monday Night Raw there around that SummerSlam time as well, that's uh, any time WWE comes to town, they reach out to the uh, the independent promotions in the area and have you send a couple guys. And a lot of times you, they usually end up just uh, in catering and in case they're needed and every now and then an opportunity comes along so i think that was uh that opportunity there came to them i think it was a lot of right place right time but uh yeah you, you like to build those relationships and we have um we got a lot of great people we've worked with that uh, really enjoy what we're doing and uh and they help spread the word for us for sure are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Now, uh, things did slow down a little bit for Smash. Um, it was pretty taxing um, up until that point. The, the SummerSlam weekend was wonderful, though, for anybody that was a part of those series of shows. But uh, what happened, would you say, between, say, September of 2019 till about February 2020 with the promotion? Where, were, where was the... Uh, the outlook, or what was what were the plans in moving forward with the company? Well, I think realistically, I, one of those it, it was at the stage where we just we needed a break hmm. uh, in terms of um, not just um, a promotion, but like just it, as people. That that week was so taxing on a lot of us that uh, we we kind of had to look at ourselves afterwards and be like, this is. As, as fun as it was, it's just, it's just not sustainable on an independent level uh, to be going kind of balls out that much yeah. uh, over, in such a short period of time. And I think that, uh, realistically, we all have day jobs outside of this. And uh, I think it was uh, a chance for us to kind of hit that reset button a little bit because it was it was taxing not just on the, the staff but on the uh, on the performers as well. And it was kind of uh, it was an enjoyable break to be honest with you. I think everybody had a chance to kind of get uh, get settled, get their minds right. And I think uh, when we came back, it's you know unfortunately this is this pandemic hit kind of right as we were ramping into into the comeback. There we only got I think one or two shows back, and then. Uh, and then things died off, but I think we were, yeah, I think we was coming towards, uh, it was at the end of a very long summer. It wasn't just that week. It was the, the summer in general. We were doing a, a lot of shows uh, in a lot of different towns. And it's uh, it's not a full-time job for any of us. So we're, we're navigating how do you sustain doing that many shows and, and keep a day job and keep a personal life and, and all that. So I think there's a lot of juggling that was done there at the time that uh, we just realized it wasn't sustainable. So took that break for ourselves and then coming into early 2020 is when we kind of said okay so this is the plan uh, kind of moving forward and uh, we've we've got a different approach to what we're doing to make it more sustainable to make it um less taxing and less stressful both financially for the company and and for for all of us mentally um you know one of the things you had shared is uh 
there's a deal that has been struck and worked out with Fight Network, which is fantastic. Um, but has there been content still available if, if fans wanted to watch, if they're subscribing to the Fight Network or Smash's on-demand service, which is always accessible, but would they be able to access past content um, up until this point, at least, uh, on Fight Network? I don't know that you're, they're able to do it on the Fight Network in general, but what we've been doing, uh, especially over the, the, this kind of lockdown period, is we've been putting a lot of our content, making a lot of it available on YouTube as well for free. So Smash On Demand and YouTube right now are probably the, the two best outlets to go if you want to see old content of Smash Wrestling. Uh, and we've been trying to come up with some creative ways to reuse old content. I did some sit-down interviews with some members on the roster, uh, as we want, look back and watch back from their matches while they talk about their perspective on it. Uh, those have been a lot of fun to do uh, for me personally because it's giving me uh, a different insight uh, as to a match that I called and kind of seeing it from, from the perspective of the people that are, that are in it. So it's, it's one thing to hear me call a match that they're performing in, but it's another thing to hear how the story played out in their minds. So that, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, now we've seen Smash grow you've grown as a commentator you've called several matches um countless i i can't remember how many uh over the course of eight years i'm sure yourself which ones would you say stand out uh being there um were the most special um the the ones you you know there's always discussion and preparation beforehand but then execution uh that stand out to you and why uh, there's a few that stand out to me for, for very different reasons. I, I know like I, I keep going back to the, the AJ Styles-Chris Hero match that, that main evented uh, Super Showdown. Uh, no, it wasn't Super Showdown. It was any given Sunday, I believe. This is one of the early shows. but uh, This, this was, was at E-Zone, right? Yeah, it was. Yes, it was at the E-Zone. Okay. So and this was, this was the third show that I'd ever called. So I was still so green in the business. And if that one stands out to me as... It was an incredible opportunity, and uh, I think given where I was at the time, it impressed a lot of people what I was able to do with it, but it's one that I'd like to have back now in hindsight because I, I think I, I could do a much better job if I had that opportunity again. So that one stands out to me for that reason. Um, but then we've had matches like uh, Chris Hero, Samoa Joe. Uh, was a great match for us. That one stands out because I, I think that was one of my one of the first uh, opportunities for me to call someone that I've already like, I've kind of seen on TV and now I'm meeting in person. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Sebastian Swab versus Tarek in a Last Man Standing match. That match is probably the best match I've ever called, uh, just in terms of the, the story leading up to it, the story they told over the course of the match, and the fact that it's just two best friends going out there and knowing that they were going to crush it, and they did. And then the, I have a lot of fun calling uh, anything that Psycho Mike's in as well. I, I think he's a different cat in terms of the way he likes to tell a story in the ring. He, he does it from a very from a comedic side, but he's very serious about what he's doing as well. And I think uh, he and I kind of bond a little bit over the. I, I kind of understand his logic behind what he's doing, and uh, I, I think my commentary on his matches, I, I'm able to kind of help him sell the story that he's telling our commentary, because I understand the story that he's trying to do. I had the opportunity to call a match of his uh, with a joint impact show with, uh, with Josh Matthews. And uh, that was a cool opportunity for me in general, because uh, that, that was kind of a, a sign to me that, uh, okay, maybe I'm uh, doing a little bit better at this than I thought it was. But calling a match with Josh Matthews and Josh Matthews having a look at, 
at Cycle Mike for the first time. I, I don't think he, he got it. Um, so it was kind of on me to kind of help put that character, put that story over. So I have a lot of fun doing that with, uh, with, with certain performers as well. Maybe you could give us a little more insight about Cycle Mike for those that aren't as familiar with him. Um, fun character, super talented, incredibly underrated would be some words to describe him. How would you best describe him uh, personally, professionally? Personally, he's a tough guy to read, to be honest with you. <laughs> he's, uh, he's one of those guys where it's, it's hard to tell if you're on his good side or his bad side unless he explicitly <laughs> says it to you. Um, but, but professionally, man, he's, he has just one of the coolest minds that I've ever met in the business. And it's, like I said, he, he does things from a comedy aspect, but he takes it very seriously. So a lot of times he and I will sit down as we're going over uh, a story or a match that he's doing. And uh, he and I are both trying to find the, the logic in the comedy of what he, because he doesn't want to do it just to be funny. He wants to do it to tell it. So it can help tell a story within the context of, of the match. And, and I think that, uh, it's just such a creative mind, and I think it's it, it often goes unnoticed because I think people are spending so much time just enjoying the comedy of the match that they don't really see all the nuances that went into it. And that's a testament to the way his brain works uh, because I, I think it's one of those – the things that he does, you don't notice it when it's happening, but you would sure notice it if it wasn't happening, uh, and it would stand out in, in a bad way. So I, I think to, to his credit, he just has a, an amazing mind for telling a story. From all the talent that you've seen come through, um, what's the highest praise you've received from anybody that's heard you call a match? To, to be honest, there's I, I haven't really received a whole lot of feedback uh, from people in the industry, be it, be it good or bad. Hmm. And I think that, that is, um, I take that as a good sign because I, I think that that kind of means it's uh, it, it, it's not my. In, in my mind, it's not my position to get myself over. It's my position to get everybody else over. So as long as people are talking about Smash Wrestling, I take that as a credit to what I'm doing. Um, but I have had people like uh, th- there was a show I called uh, for ESW, and um, Allie, who's now in AEW, uh, heard the show after the fact and came talk to me. She says, I've, "I've never actually heard your commentary before, but she really enjoyed it." And I think that it's. Uh, it is a thankless role, uh, and, I, and I, I say that as a, I don't know, I think that's a good sign. I, I think that, um, especially nowadays in the era of Twitter, where it would be so easy for people to rip apart mm-hmm. uh, the job, and a lot of times in the bigger promotions people do uh, rip apart, uh, the fact that I've never experienced that side of it either, that it's kind of more of a, of a neutral take on, on what I do, as it should be. I think I'm a background character for professional wrestling much like uh, say a referee would be um that it, i shouldn't be the focal point of what's going on as long as people are enjoying smash wrestling and they're enjoying the product in the ring uh then i'm doing my job fantastic very well said um before we let you go there is a little bit of a game that we I think i was maybe giving a little of a prelude to it beforehand that we like to play here on the pro wrestling post podcast are you up for it let's do it okay so the game is called wrestling tinder um and Much like regular Tinder, if you're interested in the topic, we will swipe right. If you're interested, if you're not interested, we will swipe left and I have to kind of think as quickly as I can on my feet and readjust. All right. Okay. Uh, We are going to get a little deeper with this because the game are some pretty important issues that have 
come about over the last few months. Um, and if you're game for talking about them and your perspective on it, uh, because you can see it from a management point of view, you can see it from a performer's and a personal point of view, um, if you're game for them. Let's do it. Okay. Speaking out. I'll swipe right on that. Go for it. I think that it's uh, the the movement in uh, in general ha- has caused a cosmic shift within the business for the better. I, I think that it's a um, it's it's exposed a little bit of a seedy underbelly of of the business uh, in a way, but I think that it's it, it's exposed something that had to be brought up and had to be um, talked about, and, and I think that. All these, all these women, all these performers and fans that have come out with their stories um, have, have kind of gained strength from each other, telling stories and the and their strength in numbers. There really is, and, and it causes a, uh, like I said, a, a shift and a change for the better. And I think that that's one of the good things that's come out of this lockdown pandemic era of wrestling that we're in is that it's caused the world to hit this real reset button. And I think um, a lot of people have realized, like the cliche is, well, when things get back to normal, back to normal. And I think people are starting to realize normal wasn't all that great. Like there's, why would we go back to normal when we can move forward to better? Uh, and I think that that's what this speaking out movement has done is, is it's, uh, it's called out things that have had to be called out. It's called out people that have to be called out. And now it's up to the, promotions and management to to follow through and uh, ensure that the safety integrity and respect of the performers and the fans and their in their own brand uh, is upheld fantastic another one that's important because we're talking not just about performers we're talking about people black lives matter also i've read on that one as well and I think that also kind of piggybacks off of what I was saying with this this whole reset. That it's not just the wrestling world that's hit the reset button. Quite frankly, it's it's the world that's hit this reset button. And it's I, I think a lot of people were sitting sitting at home and realizing that, like I said, that normal normal could be better. And uh, I, I think that I, again by in, enforcing these changes and by uh, speaking out about the, these injustices going on that, that we're able to kind of pull together and, and, and make things better moving forward. And I, I think a lot of this is the people are taking their power back um, because they, they've had the chance to stop their everyday lives and, and just sit and look at the big picture. And a lot of times it's uh, we're, we're all so caught up in what we do daily that we're, we're not thinking about you know, the, the big problems and the big reasons. And this pandemic has allowed people to sit down and, and think about that. And I think it's it's so important that we all just respect and love each other as as people, regardless uh, of race, regardless of, of sexual orientation, regardless uh, of anything that divides us. I mean, the, the, really, at the end of the day, we're all we're all people. We're all going to be the same six feet under when we're all, when all said and done. Uh, exactly. I mean, we, we, we are all the same on the inside and yet people want to categorize or group or judge. Um, and it really, no one comes out in the better for it actually. Um, popular saying is, you know, for everyone that's got a finger pointing at somebody else, you have three or four pointing right back at you. So what are you doing to make that change? Uh, uh, now a recent 
hashtag has begun trending actually as of us recording this about sign Eddie Kingston. My question to you is should there be a hashtag trending titled sign Tyson Dukes? Oh, I, I think that's way overdue for a sign Tyson Dukes hashtag. Uh, he, he is one of, hands down, the best entering performers that this country has, uh, if not the best. Uh, he's been doing this for a very long time, and now he, he's shifted his focus to, uh, and I think, to be honest with you, Mark, I think at one point that was his, his dream, and that well, I know it was, and that was his focus. And I think now he's at a stage of his career where he's he's looking towards the future and looking to take it upon that uh, that training aspect, that training role. So uh, and kind of building that next wave. So I, I think now he's able to uh, kind of live vicariously through a lot of his students, but he still has a lot left in the tank himself. Um, I think he it got real close back when he was in that cruiserweight classic and you know, as, uh, unfortunately, we uh, he he was, and a lot of us are victims to the uh, the border, and, mm-hmm. and that's really what kind of put uh, put a little bit of a kibosh on uh, on him. And uh, it's just the way the United States views how their jobs should be should be kept. And I think that's the that's the main thing. I don't don't think a lot of people realize is that. So the border coming to into Canada, professional wrestling is considered a performance art, right? Uh, when it's considered a performance art, you don't need a working visa to do it because it's not considered you're making a living off of doing this. It's just a, a hobby versus uh, in the United States, professional wrestling is considered a combat sport, which means that it's considered a job, which means that you need to have a working visa to do it. And so to do it legally uh, when you are not an American citizen, because otherwise they view it as you are taking a job away from an American and and that's kind of what happened to uh, to Tyson at that point was he hit the wrong border officer on the wrong day that decided American needed that job more than he did, uh, and he didn't have that visa yet. So I think that uh, he, he's long overdue to be seen on a world stage, and, and I think that it's uh, it's criminal that it hasn't happened before yet. One of those people that he's living vicariously through would be his son. Yes. yes. Yeah. Ethan, uh, Ethan's done a couple of dark matches for us as well, and is he's still he's so young. I think he's like 16 years old. Like he's such a young kid, but man, he's going to be good. A, a lot of a lot of uh, the students coming out of that Russell Factory have a lot of of potential, and uh, the future is bright for Ontario wrestling for sure. And the last uh, of our topics, if you're up for it, he is. Scott Hunter on Facebook in quarantine. Maybe you can explain that to everybody. <laughs> yeah, you think was, I was going to uh, let that one go? Probably not. <laughs> that, that was uh, my my quarantine life was uh, was very very different, and I, I had a hard time early adjusting to it. Uh, I work a a full time job, uh, and I work full time with Smash. So I, I I went from working. About 60 hours a week to zero. And uh, I have I am not one to stop moving. And uh, the, the forced break uh, was was very much a shock to my system. Um, so I had to find something to do to occupy my time with. So I started just making stupid videos around my apartment. And uh, originally I was making these videos just like just having fun, telling jokes and stuff. And I originally started doing them as a way to uh, pass the time, give myself something to do, keep my sanity. And then as uh, a few days went on and 
I realized that it's built, it was building uh, these connections for me of people that I haven't talked to in years who were, were commenting on it, people from my high school, people from college, people that I used to work with. Uh, and, and it was really kind of um, therapeutic for me to be able to, you know, even if it's just, you know, small chit-chat and conversation, you're, you're still able to have uh, those moments with these people in, in a time where social interaction was limited. Uh, and then I started to realize that these videos that I was making weren't just for me anymore, and it was for everybody else because it was giving them a sense of, of consistency in an inconsistent world. And uh, it gave them something to look for every day. So, uh, and and as time went on, it ended up being, I thought it was going to be a couple of weeks, it ended up being three months that I was doing it. And uh, to be honest, some days the video was my reason to get out of bed. I love that about it because it gave me a reason to, to wake up, a reason to hop in the shower today, a reason to put clothes on today, a reason to present the ball on camera today. And I found my days got more productive just because I was forced to get up and do something first. And uh, that's kind of, that's, those are really like as, as stupid and as funny as they were, that was really my way to get, uh, getting through 83 days of isolation. <laughs> um, fantastic. And, uh, and you made it. You're be- you're out here on the other side. They let you out. Um, so before we let you go, Scott, is there anything you'd like to share, uh, with listeners, wrestling fans, independent wrestling fans, uh, before we let you go? You know what? I wish I had a bunch of things to plug right now and I really don't, uh, just cause there's, there's, well, no one's doing shows right now. Uh, I do have, uh, backyard pro wrestling is coming out with season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I, I believe I'm going to be doing a little bit of commentary for, I don't think I'm breaking any news on that. But, uh, yeah, Backyard Pro Wrestling, check that out. That's on YouTube, absolutely free. They did uh, a, a two-part show, and I did some commentary for for that already, um, which has been a lot of fun to do in quarantine because that's just a uh, that's just having fun with pro wrestling. There's uh, it, it's fun to not have to take things seriously all the time with that. Uh, other than that, I mean, if you go back on my Facebook page and look up all those uh, quarantine videos, or you can check out. I also did a uh, promo contest using a lot of different independent wrestlers in the area. It's now concluded, but uh, you can go check those out. But that's, yeah, that's really all I got going on right now. Fantastic, though. Uh, thank you. And if uh, anybody does want to check out Smash Wrestling, and uh, the on-demand or YouTube service, where can they go for that? Uh, so Smash Wrestling, you can follow us on, uh, go to our website, smash-wrestling.com. Uh, there should be a link there for on-demand as well. Uh, which is a paid service, uh, or if you just go uh, on a YouTube search, Smash Wrestling, you should be able to find uh, all of our footage there as well. And I guess, uh, yeah, if you for any upcoming uh, information uh, of when shows might be coming back, you can follow our Instagram uh, at Smash Wrestling, uh, or you can follow mine at uh, as Hunter Smash, or some people just call it Shunter Smash. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there's uh, yeah, any upcoming info that we have uh, in terms of future dates coming up. So you can find it on our Facebook or our Instagram. Fantastic. Um, on behalf of Smash Wrestling's Scott Hunter, this is Mark Madison for the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with your host, Mark Madison. Once again, please visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. And be sure to download the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer.